and focusing on some fundamentals, going back to the basics, uh, the essential doctrines of the cross, and now the blood. So we continue our study here this morning, the significance of the blood. You know, if we're to mature spiritually, we must rightly esteem both the blood of Jesus and we're to accurately understand or interpret his atoning work on the cross. This is a blood covenant. Amen. When we were born again and redeemed by the gospel, amen, it is on the foundation of the blood. We have no standing before God, absolutely none whatsoever apart from this covenant, this blood covenant that was ratified by the death and burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's logical to conclude that spiritual stability cannot be secured if we fail to esteem the blood of Jesus. Amen. Clement of Rome said, let us look steadfastly to the blood of Christ and see how precious that blood is to God, which having been shed for our salvation has set the grace of repentance before the whole world. Amen. So important that we have faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The answer never lies. Whatever problems we face, the answer never lies within ourselves. But in an unshakable faith in the finished work of Christ and a vibrant and intimate relationship with his person. So again here this morning, we are pointing, amen, to the bloody sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we are again asking ourselves the question, how significant is that blood? Could the blood of Jesus be overemphasized? I think not. No doubt, amen, there was a time, amen, when sacrificial blood, when that was mentioned among God's people, the images of bulls and goats came to mind. But after Calvary, the animal blood of the old covenant has been gloriously surpassed and overshadowed by the eternal flow of God's sacrificial lamb. We're going to be reading one verse, or rather two verses here, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, verses 12 and 13. Hebrews 13 and 12, wherefore... Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For our edification and exhortation this morning, atoning blood is forever associated with the Lord Jesus Christ. Atoning blood is forever associated with the person of Jesus Christ. Father, we ask, Lord, here this morning that you would draw nigh to us. We pray, Lord God, that Jesus would be magnified and lifted up, Father. I pray, Lord God, that there would be an appreciation, a new, a deeper appreciation for the precious blood that Jesus shed to redeem us, Father. God, we plead the blood over body, soul, and spirit. We're thankful for that blood, thankful for this blood covenant we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Indeed, at the cross, Jesus forever identified himself and his blood with redemption and atonement. 
In fact, the very thought of redemption or atonement, amen, should lead us to meditate on the person of Jesus and none other. In fact, as we know, the very word atonement was coined by William Tyndale, that courageous 16th century Bible translator, as he realized there was no English word to adequately express the glorious twofold aspect of Christ's sacrifice, namely remission of sins and reconciliation of the sinner to God. Aren't you thankful, amen, that you've been washed, cleansed, and forgiven for sin? Amen. You ought to slip up your hands and say, thank God for remission. And aren't you thankful that you have been reconciled with God Almighty through the blood of Jesus? There's no other way that that could happen, amen, apart from the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Thus, Tyndale invented the English word at one amen, or atonement, which adequately expresses the supernatural function of the sacrificial blood of Jesus. Even in eternity, the blood is central, amen. It is the theme of heaven's song. In Revelations 5 and 9, it says they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to glory, or redeemed us to God by thy blood. If the blood of Jesus has the power to awaken the entire host of heaven to overflowing joy and thanksgiving, how much more for you and I who have been redeemed thereby? Indeed, the blood provides an inexhaustible subject for the eternal praise of the saints in glory. And this is not surprising since the doctrine of the blood is nothing less than the whole redemptive of work, work of Jesus in concentrated form. In the crimson gore of Golgotha's agony comes flowing all the passion of divine mercy in Christ's substitute for sinners. Hence, we dare not underestimate the great significance of the blood. Amen. It is certainly the will of God that we ever keep the blood of Jesus, amen, in its rightful place, exalted, amen, and esteemed, always resting, trusting in that shed blood that this covenant, amen, will be fulfilled practically in our life. So this morning to undergird that idea, amen, please note first of all, Throughout the scriptures, atonement and atoning blood is central. Amen. Remember the thought here this morning, very simple. Amen. That Jesus is associated, amen, with atonement and with atoning blood. So, in fact, every symbol of typology throughout the book, every prediction of Christ's sufferings in the Bible involves atonement or atoning blood. And so listen closely as I touch on every Old Testament book. Abel's blood in Genesis has its New Testament counterpart in Hebrews 12 and 24. The blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things. Amen. Than that of Abel. Hallelujah. Amen. The bloody Passover of Exodus has a New Testament fulfillment in 1 Corinthians 5 and 7. For even Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. The sin offerings in Leviticus has its New Testament application in 1 Peter 2 and 24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. 
The red heifer, which was offered outside the camp, is fulfilled in Hebrews 13 and 12. Jesus also, amen, it says, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. The chosen place of sacrifice in Deuteronomy under the gospel represents the cross, as it reads in Luke 23 and 33, to the place which is called Calvary, amen. The, the uh, scarlet thread from Rahab the harlot's house and Joshua is seen in 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. And such were some of you, but ye are washed. Hallelujah. The peace offering in Judges is seen in its New Testament application in Colossians 1 and 20. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. The redemption in Ruth has its New Testament counterpart in Ephesians 1 and 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The suckling lamb sacrificed in Samuel has its New Testament fulfillment in John 1 and 29. The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. The many offerings in Kings have their New Testament parallel in Hebrews 9 and 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Hallelujah. The altar and ordinance threshing floor in Chronicles as a type, amen, cast its New Testament shadow in Hebrews 13 and 10. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. The continual offerings in Ezra are no longer needed, as it reads in Hebrews 10 and 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. The cleansing in Nehemiah has its New Testament equal in 1 John 1 and 7. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Hallelujah. The lesson of Esther has its New Testament type in Hebrews 12 and 2, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. The intense sufferings of Job was a forerunner to the most intense sufferings of Job's Redeemer, who on the bloody tree, it says in Matthew 27 and 46, cried with a loud voice, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The anticipations of Psalms are now the propitiation of the cross. The wisdom of Proverbs is Christ, him crucified, and the wisdom of his cross. The preaching of Ecclesiastes is now the preaching of the cross. The bride and the song of Solomon is the blood-bought bride of Christ. The lamb of slaughter in Isaiah is now the bleeding lamb of God. Praise God. The outpoured wrath of God in Jeremiah has been diverted for those who were hidden under his atoning blood. The sorrow of lamentations is in the New Testament as the passion of our Christ. The visions of Ezekiel are revelations of Christ who is clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. The great prince of Daniel is our great prince Jesus who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The love of Hosea is God's love manifested toward us in sending Jesus to bleed, suffer, and die. The days of blood and darkness and Job began when they nailed Jesus to the bloody tree. The mountains which dropped sweet wine in Amos have their New Testament counterpart at Mount Calvary, whereby blood Mercy is extended to all. The deliverance of Obadiah is the great gospel delivered by atoning blood. The question of Micah is the spirit 
of the Lord straightened is answered by the bloody sacrifice of Jesus. The gazing stock of Nahum is uplifted and crucified, uplifted and crucified Christ. The uplifted and crucified Christ drawing all men unto himself. The victory of God in Habakkuk is seen as the victory of the cross. The Lord's sacrifice in Zephaniah is in the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Zerubbabel in Haggai is none other than a type of the promised Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world. The smitten shepherd in Zechariah is the one who by his cross having slain the enmity thereby. And finally, the messenger of Malachi is none other than our crucified and risen Messiah. Now the common thread as we read through this, amen, the the typical uh, in all the prophetic, amen, everything that we see in the mentioning of atoning blood all points to the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work at Calvary, amen. And all of those promises and all of that typology, all that prophecy is fulfilled in Jesus and his finished work. May we never lose sight of the significance of the blood. For to disesteem the atoning blood is to disesteem the vicarious sufferings of Christ whereby we have been reconciled. And in fact, if you're not quickened, amen, to the power of the blood and the significance of the blood in your practical walk with God and your relationship with him, the enemy is going to find a place or a way to exploit you. You've got to have faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Likewise, atoning blood is at the core of the incarnation. From the outset, from the very beginning, the birth of Christ pointed to Calvary, amen, and the shedding of his blood, Jesus' blood on the cross. The very shadow of the cross, if you will, was upon the crib of our Savior. From his very birth at Bethlehem, he set his face to go to the cross. His was ever. Amen. Or he was ever upon the Calvary road. He was born an atoning sacrifice and he died an atoning sacrifice. With the bloodthirsty Jewish mob demanding his crucifixion, remember Jesus said to Pilate, to this end was I born and for this cause came I into the world. Indeed, in the gospel of John, if you study that whole gospel, And you see that term, the great hour, or his hour, amen. That great hour when the tremendous power of the blood would be released is continually spoken of and anticipated. To that hour, all the miraculous events of Christ's life advanced toward. In that same hour, all the purposes of heaven and the counter-purposes of hell converged. At the commencement of his public ministry, just before he miraculously turned water into wine, he exclaimed to Mary, Mine hour is not yet come. Yet the significance, amen, that his first miracle was to create a type or a symbol of his atoning blood. In both the seventh and eighth chapters of John, we read, For his hour was not yet come. Each of these occasions reference an attempt of the Jews seeking to kill Jesus before the time. 
Now, it's of importance here to note that the Jews never put a man to death by bloodshedding. Amen. Their ordained method of capital punishment was via stoning. Amen. But Jesus was not to be killed by stoning. Amen. He was to be put to death with an execution that involved the shedding of blood. His hour was to be an hour crimsoned by the lifeblood of his veins. To the inquiring Greeks, Jesus said in John chapter 12, in verse 23, 27, 32 through 33, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, would draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. Here again, the hour is associated with his death on the cross. And the death he should die was a bloody death, amen, of crucifixion. With the prophetic words of the living God, when I see the blood, I will pass over you before him. Christ, the ultimate promised Passover lamb. Amen. His last words commenced with the assurance that he knew his hour was come in John 13 and 1. These discourses covering chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16 of John's gospel conclude with another reference to that hour. John 16 and 32, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and is now come that ye shall be scattered every man to his own and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Praise God. You ought to slip up your hands again and thank him. Amen for his finished work. From that crucial hour, the believing soul can realize both peace and power provided via the sacrificial bloodstream of Christ. It says in Colossians 1 and 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. Hallelujah. Revelation 12 and 11, and they overcame him, meaning the devil, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb. It's quite evident that one of the great objects of the incarnation was the bloodshedding of Jesus upon the cross. Its blessed culmination, amen, was that finished work that redeemed all mankind. The prophet Daniel defines the incarnation's mighty purpose thusly in Daniel 9 and 24, to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness. Aren't you glad here this morning that by the sacrifice of Jesus, amen, there is the possibility of ending sin. Hallelujah. Amen. We can rest in him and be set free. We can be reconciled to God, forgiven for our iniquity. Amen. We can walk in righteousness by the precious blood. John declares that the Son of God was manifest, namely for three purposes. Number one, to challenge and to conquer Satan. First John 3 and 8, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested 
that he might destroy the works of the devil. Secondly, to cleanse away and to vanquish sin. First John 3 and 5. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. And thirdly, to commend and convey the love of God. First John 4 and 9. And this was manifested, the love of God, toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. All these objectives were accomplished, amen, when the lifetime of the incarnate deity was released in the death of the cross. The torrent from Calvary's hill generated sufficient power and to spare to achieve the great goal of God's redemptive purpose. Amen. It was to redeem. It was to cleanse. It was to reconcile. It was to ratify the covenant. Amen. God has given us promises. Those promises, each and every one of them. Amen. Without exception, every promise in the Bible, in the New Testament, they're all yea and amen in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can rest assured because we have that redemptive mark, amen, that, that redemptive seal of the blood of Jesus Christ that ratifies this covenant, amen. It is the very foundation whereby we stand, amen. And so we must exercise faith and recognize, amen, that our access to God is in that shed blood and by that shed blood. Are we to live holy? Absolutely. But nobody is living holy without the blood of Jesus. Amen. Are we to live in obedience? Absolutely. But nobody is going to obey Jesus without recognizing the significance of the blood. Amen. Are we to live sin free? Absolutely. We are to live sin free. But amen, it doesn't matter if you've been living sin free. Amen. For years and decades, every single day, you and I, the most holy man, still needs the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There is no access into the presence of, there is no access to the person of God apart from the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You must believe that. Amen. We say nothing but the blood of Jesus, not by works that we have done. Amen. And I know, you know, in the religious world and the antinomians, they have perverted that idea that we're, of course, saved by grace and not by works. But that is in the Bible. Amen. And it is true. And it's very Very important that we understand that, amen, that we are received because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We always have access into his presence by the blood. That blood is precious to God. That blood is esteemed by God, amen. And so you can plead the blood and you can believe that it has power. It has significance before God. May we never forget that. It is on the crimson stained ground of the blood and that ground alone that we realize spiritual victory. Amen. Every time that sacrificial blood is mentioned, amen, may our minds immediately become transfixed on Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. I'm going to read a quote here as we close. Horatius Bonar 
said, let men with the newly sharpened axes of rationalism do their utmost to hewn down that cross. It will stand in spite of them. Let them apply their ecclesiastical paintbrush and dab it all over with the most approval of medieval pigments to cover its nakedness. Its glory will shine through all. Let them scoff at the legal transference of the sinner's guilt to a divine substitute and of that surety's righteousness to the sinner as a Lutheran delusion or a Puritan fiction. That mutual transference, that wondrous exchange will be found to be wrapped up with genuine Christianity itself. Let those who, like Cain of old, shrink from the touch of sacrificial blood and mock the religion of the shambles, purge their conscience with the idea of God's universal fatherhood and try to wash their robes and make them white in something else than the blood of the Lamb. To us, as to the saints of other days, there is but one purging of the conscience, one security for pardon, one way of access, one bond of reconciliation, one healing of our wounds, the death of him whom the chastisement of our peace was laid, and one everlasting song unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Hallelujah. We just stand with me here this morning. I want to sing that old hymn, Saved by the Blood. Just lift your hands and thank him for the precious blood. Saved by the blood of the crucified one, now ransomed from sin, a new work begun. Sing praise to the Father and praise to the Son. I'm saved by the blood. At the crucified one, saved by the blood of the crucified one, the angels rejoicing because it is done. I'm a child of the Father, joy to the sun and I'm saved by the blood of the crucified
he spake, and his will it was done. Reprise of my pardon, his own precious son, and I'm saved, saved by the blood. Sing it, saints, I'm saved. blood is real it's not a myth, it's not fiction thank you Jesus we plead the blood and thank you for the blood of the Lamb Amen, give him a hand clap of praise Hallelujah Amen 6 o'clock tonight, come back to pray we need to make sure we get uh, more tracks Pray for us. Pray that God would have his way amongst us. Deal with sinners' hearts and that Jesus would be glorified. Amen. Brother Timothy, would you dismiss us with prayer?